Welcome back to Whiteout Weekly. I am Dave Barron here, as always, with my esteemed co-host, Matthew Martellucci, as the Lions sitting pretty after another undefeated weekend. No, they did not play football this weekend, but they remain 5-0 and as they head into the belly of the beast of the second half of this schedule, starting with the mighty Minutemen <laughs> from the New England Territory uh, up in Massachusetts who are coming down for a a nice one million dollar check for visiting Beaver Stadium. Who uh, who's that Bible character that got caught in the whale's belly? <laughs> Jonah. Take me back to my Sunday school days, Matt. I went to I went to Catholic school for <laughs> kindergarten to eighth grade, and my parents pulled me out of there. But um, I think it's Jonah. This I is a Jonah right. in the belly of the beast game. We can't get trapped. We can't get trapped by UMass. Can't get trapped. Looking ahead to mighty Ohio State. I know the mentality is always one and zero, but that is on the horizon. But Vegas giving the Lions all the love in the world this weekend as forty-one and a half point favorites at home. I didn't even look. Wow, wowzers! They're starting to they're starting to catch on to the Cover Kings. They are, but I I think they might still end up being the Cover Kings. But we will get into that later. But mm-hmm. Lions with the three thirty Eastern kickoff against the mighty Minutemen of UMass. And Matt, how you feeling headed into game number six? Feeling good. Feeling good about our depth, despite the injuries. Feeling good about our secondary in particular. And really feeling good about our defensive line, which kind of was shaky at the beginning of the season. And it's now seemed to turn it on completely. Um, I did forget one surprise Bobby player underclassman last week, and that is Elliot Washington, mm. special teams stud. He has he plays kick coverage, punk coverage. He has a field goal block. According to PFF, he's the third highest graded special teams player on Penn State. Two solo tackles and zero penalties and i'm sure they don't count it but i'm sure he's caused his fair share of fair catches so mm-hmm. shout out to elliot washington forgot him last week meant to put him in my surprises all right so with that let's kick it as we always do around the trenches got regular gas we run diesel premium only. The hut, hut. Voice cracked on the snap. Personal file. 69. Offense. He was giving them the business. He played it out. So starting off in the swamp pit that is the Big Ten West. And Matt, this division always Disgusting. piques our interest. Always piques the interest. From us on a weekly basis. Just because uh, it's, just cause it's a of heated race. The dis- Northwestern's the in the thick of it. It's just like, it's unreal. It just boggles my mind. Absolutely boggles my mind. And this week around the trenches was weird. We only had a six game slate with Penn State, Indiana, Michigan State on buys. So, yeah, it was a lot of uh, swamp pit, Big Ten 
or yeah, Swamp Pit Big Ten West games. <laughs> so starting off with Nebraska, who absolutely stomped Illinois. Well, not absolutely, but they 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 get out of Champaign on a Friday night with a twenty to seven victory. Moving the uh, fighting Illini, who came into the season with high expectations, continue to spiral downward. Who are now yeah. two and four. Nebraska may have found a quarterback potentially in Heinrich Harbor. Am I saying that right, Matt? I think yeah, the t- tough name for him, Heinrich Harburg. <laughs> but um, yeah, this this kid's a dog. His his accuracy numbers aren't there. Kind of like a Tracy McSorley type. He's completing just over. I don't want to put in any silly uh, on McSorley's name, but he's completing just over fifty percent of his passes. He's a true sophomore who won the QB competition during the season, and over the last four games, he has six hundred eighteen passing yards, three hundred thirty-five rushing yards three rushing touchdowns, but three touchdowns to two interceptions. So you can tell he's kind of a rush-first quarterback. And those 335 yards of the season include a nine-rush negative two-yard performance against Ohio State, which is weird how they still count sacks as negative yards, correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Makes no, that makes zero sense. Zero sense. They needed give it the times. Yeah, they're slowly but surely changing the rules. And that, that's another one that's on there that they gotta they definitely gotta get with it. And he's also their team's leading rusher with 352 yards on 69 carries, good for 5.2 yards per tote, which includes nine sacks, which counts negatively towards the total. So he definitely has over 400 yards rushing. Um, I think he'll be, you know, mid quarterback. He'll get Nebraska mm-hmm. some wins over teams that they're expected to in the Big West. But from what I, I mean, he could grow. But from what I saw, it didn't really look like he had that it factor to mm-hmm. really, you know, in the in the passing game at least. Rushing, he was a monster. Yeah, it'll definitely take some time for Matt Rule to get get his own guys in there, build, start to build out that team, whatever he is able to do. I know Nebraska, similar in similar limelight to Texas, where they fan. I know they got a rabid fan base, and the nation kind of wants them to be back, but they've been so far off the beaten path. So it'll be interesting to see if Matt Rule, as he gets his recruiting process going, get get through a couple cycles, see if he can start to improve the talent on that roster. And then as for Brett Bielema's fight in Illini, uh, like I said, continue to spiral downward, and that schedule doesn't get any easier. Spiraling. As they, <laughs> as they find themselves in a in a matchup at Maryland this week, uh, at home against Wisconsin, and then on the road again against Minnesota. So oh, Brett Bielema's squad, if they want to get back into bowl eligibility, Definitely going to have to find a way to squeak out at least one or two of those wins over the next three weeks, but uh, not looking good for the Illini. I'll tell you one thing. I'm betting 
against them and everyone and every three of those games. <laughs> you can take one, but I'm going to take a half or something. I'm taking part in every one of those games. Illinois cooked. <laughs> cooked. Um, we'll continue with the top dog in the Swamp Pit. Wisco dominates the first half, but let up in the second half. They were outscored 13 to 7, but still won 24 13. And they, we pretty much we thought at the beginning of the season with Mordecai that they were going to be a little more of an air raid offense. But the key to their winning is still the same. And it's very simple they stop your rushing attack and then they pound the rock with their own rushing attack. Mm-hmm. Rutgers as a team had 22 carries for 52 yards. 54 yards and zero touchdowns. Freeland Allen by himself had 21 carries for 102 yards and a touchdown. So Wisco not only is dominant in the run, but also dominant against the run on defense. Um, and I see, I mean, I see them as a clear, clear favorite, despite my Iowa bias. Um, the clear favorite of the big 10 West. Yeah, I think I'm big fickle in his first year, still trying trying to implement that raid attack that he had at Cincinnati, like you mentioned, going back to the the true Wisconsin roots where it's the ground and pound. I think it's also a little bit of Tanner Mordecai just might not be the right guy. No, he had some success at SMU. Um once he transferred there from Oklahoma, he might just not be the right guy for that offense. And that might just be fickle resorting to knowing that you got a talented back in Braylon Allen. And then even Chaz Malusi back there who had some success before uh, Allen came to town, but, but yeah, so be interesting to see, like I mentioned with Matt roller over the next couple of years, as Luke fickle gets some recruits in there, um, just looking for the big 10 West to, to spice it up a little bit. It's, I know it's a swamp pit, so Hopefully these new coaches can get some well, next year, proven talent next year, and make right? things a little bit more have, exciting. We don't have a Big Ten West next year. That's true. Last year, the last two raw. Who's going to get it? Going to miss it. I'm going to miss it. Um, Speaking of Wisconsin, their main rival in the Big Ten, I mean, I don't know if it's their actual rival, but they're – main competitor in the Big Ten West, Iowa. Beat down Purdue 2014. It was a very misleading score as the Hawkeyes won in their typical ugly, ugly fashion. The first half, are you ready for this? First half of this game featured a total of seven punts by both teams. A missed field goal by both teams. One made field goal by Iowa, an interception by Iowa, and two touchdowns. So Iowa was up 20 to 7 based on turnovers late in the third before tossing an interception in the late third, but then they held off the Boilermakers who couldn't get it going on offense. And then lastly, we're out of the swamp pit. We're we're seeing the green grass out of the swamp i have to do this one to show the pure idiocracy of these divisions so northwestern 
played Howard this weekend. And their backup quarterback, uh, Brendan Sullivan, he's a junior. He got the nod. He has a great, great game, relatively, when you're playing Howard at home. No, no disrespect to Howard at all. 13 of 18 for 131 yards, two touchdowns. Also carried the ball 13 times, 38 yards, and another touchdown on the ground. So Northwestern's enjoying a nice 23-7 lead over Howard with about eight, less than eight minutes left in the fourth quarter. And whoever is calling plays at Northwestern's decide that it's the best. He has a light bulb going his head. It's a brilliant idea to go for it on fourth and three, put the game away against Howard on the 25-yard line. (laughs) (laughs) Like, kick the field goal. You're up 20. uh, Analytics, I don't care. Kick the field goal. You're not fourth and three, 25. So anyway, (laughs) Howard gets a sack. Very next play, 64-yard touchdown run. And then Northwestern gets the ball ball back. It's third and one. They commit a false start and don't convert. Howard goes eight plays, 63 yards to make it 23-20 with two minutes and 28 seconds left in the game. But Northwestern, which they should have done five minutes ago at the 25-yard line, just ran the ball out and kicked a field goal to win. But with all that being said, Northwestern is three and two. We thought they were going to be bottom feeders. They're third, third in the Big Ten West. Ridiculous. I will say I love the cojones on that play caller, though. Going for it on fourth and three, up 23 7. Man, every game like it's his last. Like you made that a four possession game if you kick that field goal with eight mm-hmm. minutes left in the fourth. He's just like rolling the dice. Screw it, <laughs> we're going for it. Power. <laughs> we need. We need to put them away. <laughs> <laughs> All, All right, right. we're out of the swamp. Yeah. Out of the swamp. Heading back over to Greener Pastures, otherwise known as the Big Ten East, we had the Maryland Turpins at Ohio State, so coming to the shoe. And Maryland started off hot, looking like they were going to gonna hang in there, at least for the majority of the game. So they scored first. Before you start, I had $150 on Maryland first half. I think it was... Seven and a half, something like that. Ten and a half. Mm-hmm. Whatever it was, they covered. Mm-hmm. But as I'm placing, game started, it got suspended. So, very upset about that. Good thing you didn't take that uh, full game spread. Cause the... <laughs> but uh... you, already, you already took it. That's why. <laughs> In the bonanza. So, I was yeah. Like, oh. First half, see what happens. But uh, but Maryland struck first. Looked like they were going to kind of hold their own and at least stay in that game. And then Ohio, it was just too much Ohio State, too much Kyle McCord, and too much Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, in the second half as the Buckeyes outscore the Terps 27-7 to in the second half. 
half and win easily 37 to 17 like you mentioned a half spread so ohio state will have one more round like the lions will this week before that showdown in columbus with our nittany lions and then michigan at minnesota which primetime matchup on nbc new big 10 slate and Mm -hmm. did not start off well for the golden goofers uh First play of the game was a pick six to Will Johnson, who very well, not might be, is one of the top corners, probably top two, top three at a minimum in the Big Ten. Started the game with a pick six, and the Wolverines really never looked back as they continue to look like the full package in the Big Ten Conference as they win 52-10 to in minneapolis so michigan remains undefeated and remains steamrolling all of their competition yeah it's tough for me to say as a penn state fan every week they add a new dimension i'm like wow their defense is legit Mm -hmm. first week it was like wow their running backs are legit weeks two through four it was like hey jj mccarthy he's got an arm he's got accuracy and weapons and now it's, you know, the defense coming into form. So they they are a scary team. They are the Goliath for sure in the Big Ten. Um, I think Ohio State, I still think they're weak against the run, man. I really, I really do. They uh, gave up how many yards to Maryland? 106 total yards to Maryland. 38 to Antoine Littleton. 35 for Roman Hemby. A lot of that was, uh, you know, game style, having to throw mm-hmm. the ball down. Yep. But they're weak. They're weak up the middle. They have a great, the best front four in college football in terms of pass rushing. But their front seven is weak against the run. I think that's where we exploit them against mm-hmm. Ohio State. Looking a little bit ahead there. But one and mentality. Let's head to the one and six UMass Minutemen, and I believe they are independent, right? Like like a Notre Dame. They are independent, which is a very tough spot for them to be on because they yeah obviously don't get the funding that a Notre Dame gets. So they're they're very dependent on matchups like this, where, like I mentioned, where they're probably going to walk out of Happy Valley after a firm shellacking with about a million to take back to their athletic department. But very tough spot to be in for them to be independent um, with a lack of very clear lack of success within that program. Yeah, I I forget. I was talking to my dad about this. The The Delaware game. Mm-hmm. They showed up for the check. Yeah. They did not show up to win that game, <laughs> and it was so obvious. Uh-huh. Uh, let me pull up their. Sorry, I just have to do this because it's hilarious. <laughs> Literally, just drive up to Penn State, check out Beaver Stadium, and like, oh, schools making money off this. <laughs> the ball 17 times there were six of 17 and they ran it 24 times act like that's a team that's trying to upset the number seven 
team mm. today in week two. No. They're there to knock an injured <laughs> experience moment, collect a check mm. out. However, I don't think it's going to be the same with UMass, even though they are, quite frankly, terrible. They have some dudes. Uh, the one guy that I'm scout looking at my scouting for uh, this year's draft is D-tackle Billy Wooden. Mm-hmm. Absolute force to be reckoned with. And he's going to be a good test on the interior for somewhat inexperienced players due to injury. He's a 6'1 senior that brings power and experience to that line. He's third on the team with tackles. Think about that. Third on the team with tackles as a defensive tackle. Leads them in sacks with four and a half, again, as a defensive tackle. 12 defensive stops, leads the team, I think, by like six. And then he also has caused two forced fumbles and recovered them both. So that dude's a problem. Yeah, no, on offense, I think really the only key player to kind of zero in on, which I'm sure they will be, is Karon Adams, the running back. 5'10", 205-pound transfer from Rutgers. Had a big week last week against Toledo. Even in that loss, they ended up losing that game 41-24. to But 20 carries, 157 yards, and a touchdown was the sole glimmer of hope in that offense last week. He's got 661 rush yards on the on the year, six touchdowns. So he is definitely the bulk of their offense, averaging about five yards a carry. But I have to imagine that this Penn State defense, with a lack of options on offense, will be zeroing in on it and will will make it a very tough day for for Mr. Adams. So their lone win came in week one. Week zero. Week zero, excuse me. So <laughs> not even half a win. Not real. <laughs> they beat New Mexico State in New Mexico State, 41-31. And then lost the next six straight, giving up 30 in five of those, 30-plus points in five of those six games. And none of them were even close against inferior inferior competition. Despite going to Auburn and losing 59-14. That was their only real test. They lost 41-28 at home against Miami. Their two closest losses at Eastern Michigan. Those Devils beat them 19-17. And then a brutal home loss in overtime against the New Mexico Lobos. Is that their nickname? Yeah, because New Mexico State is the Aggies. Yeah, the Lobos. I got to look this up just like the Sea Wolves. <laughs> Mexican Wolf. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right on. And that again moves up in the power rankings <laughs> for <laughs> Matt's favorite animals. Exotic animals. Yeah. Thanks for checking in. <laughs> Yeah, it's been it's been tough sledding for head coach Don Smith, who was a former Michigan D coordinator 
believe it was for four or five years. So he had some formidable formidable defenses for the Wolverines. So Penn State's very accustomed to his schemes, his strategy. And for UMass, obviously it's a tough environment to be able to recruit and get talent there, especially at an independent level. But to see a defensive-minded head coach just boast a team with such terrible defense is definitely a head-scratcher. But obviously, no, like I, like I said, the, the lack of talent is definitely definitely has an impact there but just the numbers that you look at in regards to where they stand from a defensive level just seems like easy pickings all day for this Penn State offense yeah not joining a conference and moving up to the FBS level is mm-hmm. the biggest mistake you can make as a program mm-hmm. in fact fun fact Matt since moving to the FBS in 2012 the Minutemen are 0-6 straight up and 0-5-1 against Big Ten teams. Mm. So it's looking good for Stite. Which includes a 48-7 loss in Happy Valley back in 2014. Oh, uh-huh. very nice. Another fun fact coming right back at you. I didn't, yeah, I was going to, I didn't even remember playing them. Because <laughs> it, before 2012, yeah, it would have been an FBS, FCS team. So, yeah. Uh, before we get into the greatest betting competition on planet Earth, Davey, give me a mismatch that you're looking for in this UMass game. I know there's a ton, but just give me one, maybe two to focus on. So for me, I'm looking at this passing attack. So we didn't talk about it around the trenches, but very interesting comments and feedback given back from Franklin occurred this week in the his weekly <laughs> presser from a Mr. Corey Geiger, who did not phrase the question properly to James, but no. he was trying to get a point across that we've mentioned or that I've mentioned on here or we've mentioned and a lot of other folks are kind of concerned about is the fact that Penn State hasn't really stretched the field, throwing the ball downfield. So <laughs> the way that he phrased it to Franklin was, why don't you have Aller just plan to just chuck it down the field <laughs> and, no matter what? And James and Franklin obviously took that and ran with it and said, Something along the lines of my skin's boiling just hearing you mention that. That you can <laughs> just chuck it no matter what. <laughs> so uh it was a fun little back and forth and caught a lot of heat on social media and then i think you could posting multiple videos as soon as that question went like somewhat or i like he didn't ask it the right way he was just like ah fumbling like why don't we throw it deep like (laughs) no matter what yeah but with that uh, said, I, I do expect them to have some chances to kind of open up the field this week. For me, I would love to for them to show a little something prior to that Ohio State matchup. I know you don't want to look ahead, but when you talk about an Ohio State and a Michigan matchup, they very likely will be in spots where Aller's got to get them down the field and put them on a clutch drive and open mm-hmm. some things up. So would like to see that, but with all of that being said, I am looking forward to Trey Wallace. He should be good to go this week. He's been sidelined the last couple of weeks with, as always, with Penn State and an undisclosed injury. But he started off the first couple of weeks hot. Yeah, I'm pumped for him. Putting up, 
putting up 10 catches, almost 100 yards, uh, really occupying that slot role. So really looking for him to get back into action here and for him and Aller to pick up where they left off. That number two wide receiver spot, as we were mentioning when we opened up the season, is one of the key competitions and remains to be so. Thoughts, yeah, so maybe. Let's pause for a second because that's that's a huge point of contention. Who's I mean, Tyler Warren's clutch, mm-hmm. so clutch. Like anytime we need a big grab, Tyler Warren's grabbing it. But he's not the number two receiver. So who would you put as our number two receiver? It's it's been an interesting kind of storyline to unfold. In week one, you thought maybe it's Malik McLean, the transfer mm-hmm. from Florida State, who had that touchdown and had four or five catches in week one. And yes. really since that Illinois game, he had a couple drops, and he's really disappeared off the face of the earth. And everyone's been waiting for Dante Cephas to really burst onto the scene. He's been formidable. He's been coming up with some clutch catches, but really yeah. hasn't been that go-to guy that you were expecting. So really it's been – Liam Clifford and Mm -hmm. Caden Saunders and Trey Wallace when he's in there. And really the only other outlier that has started to garner more reps, but not really a lot of stats to show for has been Amari Evans as he's gotten back into action. He was sidelined for, I believe it was the first couple games of the season with an injury, but that is very much still wide open. So Trey Wallace has been dependable when he's been in there. So that's why for me, I'm looking for him to have a big game and tear up the secondary, if not Keandre Lambert Smith, but. Well, he's, he's the number number one. Yeah. 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 Lambert Smith, the very clear number one and everything else behind him is still wide open ball game, which is a little concerning heading into the brunt of two. It's all three, a three B three C three D. Um, I do I, – I love Evans. I, I really do think he's going to make an impact as the season goes forward. Um, but I also love Liam Clifford in the slot. Mm-hmm. Uh, those whip routes, drag routes, he gets open on those all the time. Doesn't have the downfield speed to really break through on like a seam route. But with Evans – or Saunders coming back – he plays slot, correct? Yeah, Saunders is definitely he his rep count has increased. He's he's been the main mainstream punt returner who's started to get used to that role and starting to break some yardage in the mm-hmm. beginning of the year. He was really I've, I've no, noticed. Yeah, he's implemented a couple moves here and there. Yeah, and he's get, been getting a lot of time in the slot. So similar to Evans, where he's getting high rep count, not a lot to show for it. So really just looking for him to continue to get that in-gaming experience. But, yeah, he's been primarily focused in the slot. Can Liam play outside? How tall is he? He's a little bit smaller. uh, So he definitely operates better in the slot. Liam's also been a very formidable in the blocking game this year as well and really proving his worth as a blocker when he's not active. Uh, or going out for a pass route. So that's where I think he's been getting a lot of his playing time as well as he's, he's proven and shown that he's willing to be a, uh, a big time blocker at that wide receiver spot. So he's, he's definitely got the eye of the coaching staff and he's proven his worth when he's out there. So, yeah, he's six one one ninety eight. 
And in the slot, you would assume, or in outside, you would assume if we're in like halfback stretches and screen passes, he's going to be blocking upfield more. So, yeah, could be an option. Time for my mismatch against the Minutemen. Besides everywhere, um, maybe the Billy Wooden mismatch, but I think we have the real edge in the running game. I think this is the third time I've called this, but UMass run defense is ranked 130 out of 133 teams, giving up over 220 yards on the ground per game and over 237 on the road. Without, I mean, we went over the schedule without the most premier competition. We're going to get a heavy dose of Catron, which is going to get him close to 100 yards. I think Singleton is going to hit two home run touchdowns. And then once the game's good and over, probably by mid-third quarter, Trey Potts and Pribula will follow it up. And I think we're going to rush for over 250 yards this week. Going to say if they do not break a 20 plus yard run against this team, so help me God, we got a problem. <laughs> yeah, this is this is the week to get we've Singleton. been waiting for it. Just give it to me. Yeah, this is the week to get Singleton that home run shot that we're going to be highlighting, watching it back and back and back and back and forth. It's coming. So that will pretty much wrap it up. For the UMass preview, I I know we didn't get a lot of UMass players introduced to you before the game, but I don't think it really matters. I think you're going to be seeing a lot of touchdowns and underclassmen and see some future Penn State players, stars, shine in this game. And with that, we head to the greatest betting competition on planet Earth, the Big Ten betting bonanza. Welcome back to week number seven. Of the Big Ten betting bonanza, currently our fighting fills are in a game clinching game four against the Braves, but we're going to continue on with the Big Ten betting bonanza. Last week, Dave took back the lead with another money line. Hit Nebraska money line for the boys plus mm-hmm. 136 at Illinois. He also hit Iowa Purdue under 39 and a half. Which, looking back on it, I cannot believe I missed that bet. <laughs> cannot believe it. I did bet it in real life, but in terms of the bonanza, which is more important to me, <laughs> and then. 
I think I had a loss by a half a point, but one of the most brutal losses in Big Ten betting bonanza history. Um, Maryland plus 19 and a half. They lose 37 to 17. But Dave still goes two and one on the week with a total of four points. Nine and nine on the year with 13 bonanza points. That is humongous because I'm right there with him. Nine and nine. We're both 500, <laughs> 500 betters, but I only have nine points. But he's been hitting singles. He had a couple doubles or triples. Last week, Purdue Moneyline lost. Don't want to talk about it. Terrible pick. Rutgers plus 14. I was about to take first half. Thank God it didn't because they mm-hmm. came back in the second. And then the over in that god-awful Maryland-Ohio State game, over 57.5. It wound up at 54 when Maryland was down, obviously, 20 points. So it's like fourth and two on the 20. You're not going to kick a field goal. You're going to go for it. And they didn't get it. So I think they left three field goals on the board, which mm-hmm. helped people out here. I know you're trying to win a game, but help people out. Help us both out. Yeah. So nine and nine, like I said, nine bonanza points as we head into week seven. Dave clearly won last week. Make it take it. Check to you, sir. First pick. I'm going to take this wonderful opportunity to get what I want, and that is the Cover Kings to not only move to 6-0 and overall, but 6-0 and against spread. Taking our beloved Knits, 41.5 against the mighty Minutemen. I think this is a no contest. This will be a game likely where Penn State may not have to punt. And it's just a matter of... Will they give up a touchdown against the Minutemen, which I don't think they will see this one as a 49 to 3, 56 to 3, somewhere in that ballpark. But I think Penn State continues the cover king anthem and they cover once again. And yeah, I mean, I think Bo's going to get in there mid third, maybe by the third quarter. He needs those valuable reps. So we're going to score touchdowns. Late mm-hmm. into the fourth quarter. Yep. Good pick. Wasn't on my board, however. This one was it's weird. Rutgers minus five. Mm. At Michigan State, I believe. Or are they home? Mm. No, they're home. So they just had that absolute dogfight with Ohio State had some promise coming out of it with a good second half. Hold on, let me look up their injuries real quick. That would suck some of that. I'm going to is this allowed? I'm going to push this Rutgers money line or this Rutgers spread to minus seven, which on DraftKings is uh, plus 118. 
Oh, we doing a little alt line action. I yeah, would it. that be a, would that be a plus three? I'll give it to you. Let's go. I sweat that one. I know it. <laughs> Your second. So I was on them earlier in the year. They let me down. Trying to I'm, I'm dipping back into the well as they're rounding into form. Do it. Michigan against the Hoosiers. Big spread here. Minus mm-hmm. 33. I am confident that they cover this. And if they let me down, they're dead to me. But I like Michigan minus 33 this week against the Hoosiers and Ann Arbor. Are you are you 0-3 or 0-2? ATS. <laughs> betting them. I think I'm 0-3. Okay. So I'm, I'm going to do Michigan first half oh, minus 20. Oh, no. <laughs> Because <laughs> I mean, they just dominate the first half, and you know, the second half they put in all their backups, and they have a chance at a bad to recover. So, I'm taking Michigan first half minus twenty and a half, confirming it's zero and two. So, third time's a charm. I'll get this one but confirmed. Zero and two. Zero and two. Zero and two. It's hard to go zero and three. <laughs> Third pick for you, Davey. Third and last. Third pick, I'm going to the Lafayette Buckeyes at the Boilermakers. 11 a.m. local time kick. Got the over-under here at 50 and a half. I could see this one being a little bit of a sleepy start. Buckeyes maybe looking ahead to that Penn State mm-hmm. matchup. That's only a week away. Slow them start. Too. They got to go on the road and then host them. So uh, I'm taking the under here, under 50 and a half. Yeah. It's another great pick. I'll take all yours except for that Michigan one. (laughs) That's going to (laughs) win. Under 51 and a half? 50 and a half. 50 and a half. Okay. My third one, I am going to take. Maryland minus 14 mm-hmm. uh, over Illinois. We talked about how much Illinois struggled. Um, Brett Bielema seems to have lost control of the locker room. Meanwhile, Maryland has completely bought in. They're rushing the ball like none other. Mm-hmm. Pauly is slinging the rock. They are a... Sorry. They are a potential contender in the future one conference big 10 um just sucks being in the big 10 east for them they would cross the big 10 west <laughs> so that's why i'm taking them minus 14 over illinois as my last pick it's a good pick thank you all for listening to another episode of White Out Weekly. And if you've made it this far, be sure to check out our Instagram. Just search White Out Weekly and our pin post. You can 
have the chance to enter to win a whiteout game ball. It was delivered on Tuesday. I've been sitting in my room. It's awesome. Looks so cool. Packaged and everything. Um, make sure to definitely follow those rules, enter the contest, and now uh, winners will be announced tomorrow. So get those in. Well, today, because this is going to come out on Friday. But thanks again. We appreciate all of you who continue to support us. We're going to keep this thing going till the wheels fall off. And hopefully Spencer Strider's wheels fall off very soon. <laughs> Amen. Thanks, guys. Nice.